when I see that there's a topic that the general discussion around it isn't in as much depth as I think uh, would be beneficial, then I have a tendency to get obsessed with something for a few months. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by Barbend.com. In this episode, I'm talking to Greg Knuckles, a founder and the head of content of Stronger by Science. Greg is also a record-holding raw and drug-free powerlifter, which helped rocket him to notability in the strength world. Greg has written for publications like Men's Health, Bodybuilding.com, Muscle and Fitness, among others. We've also been lucky enough to work with him on some great content over at Barbend.com. I might be a little biased on that last one. In addition, Greg is one of three minds behind the monthly research review, Monthly Applications in Strength Sport, or MASS. He also co-hosts the Stronger by Science podcast with his friend and business partner, Eric Trexler. Greg's passion for research is equaled only by his love of lifting heavy things. In this episode, we talk about Greg's early interest in strength training and how he built a career and business around deep dives into strength research and studies. But that passion is very much focused on making the information actionable and relatable to almost anyone interested in getting stronger. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Barbend podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track in bringing you the best content possible week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Barbend podcast episode, let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions will be seen. Today on the Barbend Podcast, I am sitting down with someone who I've really admired in the strength training and especially powerlifting communities for a long time. You may have read some of his stuff online before, and that is Greg Knuckles. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Greg, I first came across you as a powerlifter and fitness writer, and you've kind of had those dual roles for a while in the fitness industry. But how did you first get involved in strength training, and how did your uh, how did your place in the community change and grow to the point where you are today? So, how I got involved in strength training? I mean, I, I guess I was just kind of obsessed with strength from the get go. Um, I just always thought strong people were really, really cool. And there are a lot of really strong people in my family. So I remember, um, like growing up, uh, some of my family members had a farm. Like I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up helping out on a farm. And I remember being a little kid and, you know, my uncles and cousins could lift like way heavier hay bales and shit than I could. Um, and I was like, man, I wish I was as strong as them. And we like burned a wood fire every winter, uh, grew up out in the middle of nowhere in the woods. And so, you know, we chopped down a big tree, saw it up. And then after it dried out, we'd split it and burn it. And so like the bigger chunks of log near the base of the tree, you know, it could be like two, 300 pounds. And I remember, you know, the stronger people in my family being able to lift those and I couldn't. And so I kind of had the progressive overload thing going from day one, 
kind of doing Atlas stone loads, but with chunks of log onto the back of a trailer. And I wanted to gradually be able to, you know, be able to lift the biggest logs that I could. Um, so then once, you know, once my parents would let me start actually working out with weights, you know, I, I was into that from day one. Uh, initially it was primarily to get better at sports. And then when I got knocked out of sports due to repeated concussion issues, uh, powerlifting was a, a perfectly rational thing to get into because one, I, I was just naturally pretty good at it. And two, powerlifting is very much a sport where if you sustain head trauma, you did something wrong. Um, so, so that's kind of how I got into it. Um, and then, I mean, early on, I guess I've been kind of sharing my thoughts about powerlifting since maybe like 2011, 2012 on what was once gregknuckles.com then became string theory and now stronger by science. And I really just started that because I would talk my, my then girlfriend, now wife's ear off about powerlifting all the time. She was and still is my training partner, but I think she didn't want to talk about it as often as I did. So she said, Hey, start a blog to find some people who are as weird and obsessed about this as you are. Um, and so back then it was, you know, just kind of me sharing hot takes and gradually over time, as I started getting into the literature and science more, it kind of shifted into being much more of like a research focused thing. And, um, around 2014, 2015, it shifted from being, you know, just kind of like a passion project to more of a business. Um, cause I was planning on going and working at a gym after I graduated from college, but that was back in North Carolina. My wife got a really prestigious internship for journalism out in California. Can't really swing that commute. So we moved out to California. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't walk into a gold's gym and be like, Hey, I want to be a trainer, but I could be gone in 12 weeks when my wife's internship is over. Give me a job. Um, so at that point I was kind of lucky in that, um, the, the site already had a bit of a following. So that's when started treating it more like a business. Um, and I'd kind of made the shift more towards scientific content at that point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just been a, a process of growing from there. Along the way, and, and I love that background, by the way, your inspiration of, of, as a young man, trying to be country strong and then getting into powerlifting and now uh, stronger by science, what that's become and the media property that's become. Super, super interesting evolution. Along the way, you had some success in the sport of powerlifting, and I don't want to gloss over that and the, the records you set and the competitions you excelled in. So what are your, some of your uh, top accomplishments in powerlifting and, and how's training been going recently? Man, so it's it's actually kind of funny. So I have held three all-time world records in powerlifting. So, you know, across all federations, I had the total record, uh, drug-free, no knee wraps at 220. I had the total record drug-free with knee wraps at 242. And I also had the squat record with wraps at 242. But it's a little bit funny to look back at that because that was right on the upswing of when raw lifting started getting huge. I want to say I set those records in like 2012, 2013. And so the total record at 220 was uh, 1714. And like now there's guys in the 181 class doing that. Um, 
So I, I was fortunate to be good at a time when most people in the sport weren't that good. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I mean, these days sports crazy. Like there's so, so, so many more talented lifters in the sport now and just so many more lifters um, in the sport now than there ever has been. But in terms of my best lifts, with knee wraps, I've squatted 765 and deadlifted 735, which, you know, these days are are like good numbers at 242. But like, you know, five, six years ago used to be oh, crazy. But the sports just changed so much. But uh, currently training's going well. Um, I, I took two years pretty easy for grad school just between being a full time grad student and trying to run a couple businesses full time, didn't have much time to train, but I'm, I'm getting back pretty close to where I was before and, uh, have a meet coming up in January and hopefully going to set some PRs there. That's fantastic. What are some of those number or target goals you have in mind? If, if you're willing to share, I know some lifters are totally fine sharing. Here's what I want to go for before a competition. Mm-hmm. Some lifters, that's like the holy grail that they'll never let anyone see. And they would never admit to shooting for a particular number. So I don't know which kind of lifter you are. No, I mean, at, at this competition, I'm just going to take what is there. Um, so I, I'm mainly doing it because uh, James Deffenball, he's the the guy that runs the gym that I train at, Spider Strength Gym in Raleigh, North Carolina. He is a pro strongman, and he challenged me um, at at this same meet, Raleigh Ruckus, three years ago, um, and I beat him then, and he's challenged me to a rematch. So, I mean, at this meet, as long as my total's higher than his, I'm happy. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, the numbers I'd be pretty happy with, which I think will be enough to win, is just squat and pull something over seven, bench somewhere between 450 and five. Long term, so I, I think, I guess I'm le- I'm less interested in competing now than I used to be. Now I just kind of train for the numbers that I personally want to hit. And what my long-term goals are kind of across the board is I want to squat 750 without wraps, 800 with wraps, uh, front squat 600, bench 500. Um, I'd really like to deadlift 800, but that feels like a long way away, but at least something over 750. Um, And once I hit those numbers, I think I'm going to be more or less happy with what I've done in powerlifting and would really like to give strongman a shot. That was my next question. Are there any other strength sports that you feel like you want to tackle? And it seems like you already have some competition coming from strongman, some training partners egging you on. So <laughs> what attracts you about, about competing in that sport? Oh man, strongman's just so sick. Um, I mean, it's an objectively cooler sport than powerlifting. I think it's, so I think it's a better test of strength and not just so much how good at you are, how good are you at three very specific things? Cause the thing is like, I'm really good at squat bench and deadlift, but I'm really not that good at pretty much anything else in the weight room. <laughs> and it's because, and it's because I've been training for powerlifting for so long. So I, I feel like you just have to have a better base of just well-rounded strength to, to do well in strongman. And you can't be as hyper specialized because, you know, different, different competitions will have different, 
different lifts or, you know, things that you're being tested on. Um, you know, one, one competition you might do overhead for reps. One time you might do like max log. Like it, it just varies so much. You can't just be as hyper specialized on a few, a few things. And I just think aesthetically it's so much cooler. Um, and I, I like how strongman judging works better, which is, you know, did you move this implement through the range that you were supposed to move it through? I, powerlifting judging, I think is, I think a lot of the, the rules don't make sense. Like for example, why, why is there a start command on bench press? Like who gives a shit? If you jump the start command, that doesn't help you lift more. Like it's just a way that you can get red lights for something dumb. Um, another thing which is like somewhat subjective judging wise is like ramping calls in the deadlift. Um, like a a pure hitch is pretty obvious, but you know, if there's like slight ramping, some people who are, you know, really obsessed with the rules might be like, Oh, this person got away with ramping or, you know, maybe you just have a little more contact than normal between your thighs and the bar and you get a red light for ramping when you probably didn't like strongman doesn't give a shit. Like if the bar starts on the ground and you pick it all the way up, it counts, which in my mind is what a deadlift should be. I just think that's a better way to go about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, in general, I care more about like, did you lift the weight than, you know, did you jump through all of these hoops while lifting the weight? So that part of strongman appeals to me more as well. I mean, and that's certainly something that in the Olympic weightlifting community, we've seen the same objections, even from seasoned athletes. You have Olympic gold medalists who are, uh, who are advocating for, you know, the press out to be removed from the snatch and clean and jerk and from the judging mm-hmm. credentials there. So there are a lot of hoops in strength sports and the more specialized they become, the more hoops and the more red tape it seems to come up. Although in, in talking to people in the strongman community, Kale Beck was someone we had on our podcast fairly recently. There are still judging controversies when it comes to strongman. So as you get into that sport and I wish you the best of luck if and when you do, I mean, expect some, expect some controversies, you know, which kind of equipment is, uh, is allowed to be used, which kind of straps, how much tacky on your arms in strength sports. If you get a bunch of strong people in the room competing, it's just, to see who's best, someone's going to find some little point to argue about. That's my theory. Oh no, for, for sure. One of the things that does, um, one of the things that does amuse me about it quite a bit though, is like after, after a meet, it's usually not the better lifters who are actually getting upset about that. So, you, you know, if, if some judging call is the difference between someone getting first or second, occasionally they get fired up. But oftentimes it's someone who's placing like seventh or eighth. That's like, ah, man, really got screwed on that depth call on squat. It's like, I mean, but it kind of doesn't matter. Like you, you weren't going to win anyways. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly in it just cause I like picking up heavy stuff. Uh, the competition aspect is like a distant secondary for me. Like if I never competed in anything ever again, I think I would still be happy just picking up heavy shit the rest of my life. Um, and I, I think people do get a little too fired up about competition just in general. Like, I don't know, man, it's 
unless it's something you're getting paid to do, just do it and have fun, you know? That makes a lot of sense. And the cool thing about Strongman is you'll finally get to achieve your boyhood dream of proving you can lift those logs, that you can lift the heaviest logs of anyone in your family. True. Yeah. I mean, I still don't think I can. There's, <laughs> there's some, I, I mean, p- part of it's just geometry. I'm like 5'10, and some of my cousins are like 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, so I, I'm partially limited by the size of the log I can physically get my arms around. But yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your career, which it, it seems like was not something your career in uh, strength research and writing, which it seems like was something you, I don't want to say lucked into because you put a lot of hard work into it, but something that you maybe fell into without thinking in college, that's exactly the career you wanted to have. How has the reception been to Stronger by Science um, over the last half decade in its various forms? And what are some methods you've used to grow that very determined and uh i'd say very dedicated readership on your site um so i mean reception has been good i would say um so we're we're actually in a pretty interesting niche in the industry i would say because we kind of straddle the the gap between like the pure strength sports community and the like quote unquote evidence-based fitness community. Cause most of the people in the, and I will continue to say quote unquote evidence-based fitness community. Um, most of them are into either the hypertrophy side of things or the sports nutrition side of things. And there aren't that many people in that world who are, are purely on the strength development side of things. So that, that helped us carve out an interesting little niche. Um, and I think I've, I'm also fortunate that I was pretty gifted for strength sports. So I can write about science and folks who typically may not be that amenable to very science heavy information, um, who, you know, mostly consume pure strength sports type information and, and would never wade into PubMed. Um, of our content, the time of day, just because they're like, well, this guy lifts a lot. So maybe there's something to this whole science thing. So, so I think we were, we were fortunate being able to, um, carve out that little niche and not be completely alone in it, but have it kind of to ourselves. Um, and then in terms of how we've gone about growing it, I mean, I think, I think one of the, one of the things that has helped us is that we didn't really go about growing it intentionally, if if that makes sense. Uh, I think that as the internet matures, people start being able to tell more and more the degree to which someone is, you know, just genuinely trying to share information and the degree to which someone is like being very intentional about playing the online game um, to eventually separate them from their money. And so, I mean, like I'm, I'm not an incredibly materialistic person. Like as long as there's a roof over my head, like I'm pretty fine with just giving everything away for free and just like selling as little as I need to. And I don't know, I, I think that comes across to people. And so, I mean, we don't have the biggest audience of anyone online, but our audience does trust us a lot and is very loyal. 
So, um, so I mean, like I, I know, I, I have an idea of what our readership is and like our viewership is and have a pretty good idea of what that is for several other people who do similar stuff. And so then when we sell something and I see like how much we make off of that and like what our conversions are and I talk to other people about what theirs are, like we tend to be able to sell things really well and our audience converts really well, largely because like we don't really play that game, mm-hmm. you know? So it it's ended up being uh, a good play unintentionally. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the best kind of, of thing to happen for something you're particularly passionate about. Was there a moment in the evolution of gregknuckles.com to strengththeory.com to stronger by science? Was there a particular moment you can look back on and you think to yourself, oh, this can be a business. Oh, this can be a livelihood. Or even this can be more than kind of my personal blog. Anything stick out to you in time? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like that old quote, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, w- when we moved out to California, uh, I got a job with uh, Juggernaut at the time as well. Uh, I was their content manager. And like Chad was absolutely paying me a fair amount for the work that I was doing. But it also, you know, wasn't a lot for Southern California, you know, because that's really expensive. And my wife wasn't making too much for her internship either. So it, it was more of just one of those things where like, you know, got to figure out how to turn this into a business. <laughs> so uh, so we can, you know, feed ourselves regularly and not. I mean, we, we weren't like at risk of winding up living under a bridge, but we were like pretty tight financially. And so, you know, it was like kind of got to figure out how to make this work. Makes sense. Are there any topics you've become especially passionate about over the course of your research-based writing? And are there any topics that you started off with with, with a particular passion for uh, that maybe has changed and you've become a little less passionate about as you've evolved as a strength research writer? Hmm. I don't really know that passion is the right word. What, what I kind of do is I'll find something that's that's interesting to me and just like obsess about it for about six months and learn just about everything about it that I'm interested in knowing. So kind of like the 80 20 rule where, you know, there may be a little bit more that I could drill down, but I I think I've pretty much I pretty much know what I want to know about this thing. Um, And then I say pretty much everything I want to say about it, put it on the site and then just move on to something else. So for a while, that was um, like biomechanics for the squat bench and deadlift. So going back to the prior topic of giving away as much for free as possible, like we have 100 plus page guides on the site for each of the three main lifts. So, you know, that could have been like a 300 page ebook we sold, but we didn't need to. So like, fuck it, people can just have it. Um, And then for a while, it was... um, like rep range type stuff. So I, I think it's, it's almost passe at this point um, that, that most people understand that as long as sets are reasonably close to failure, kind of the rep range you train in, as long as you're doing more than about five ish reps per set. And as long as you're not doing like 200 reps per set, you get similar hypertrophy. Um, like there's a ton of research on that now, but when I got really got into it back in, 
2014, 2015, that was still like a kind of unpopular take to have. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that more research has come out to, to vindicate that. Um, and then for a while it was like the frequency literature, um, somewhere in there, I got really obsessed with sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. Um, at one point I got really obsessed with, um, like muscle memory and like myonuclei and myonuclear domain theory. So in it, so I wouldn't say that it was passion about any of those subjects. Like it, it wasn't like a deep seated feeling of, you know, this is my calling. This is what my life is going to be about or, or anything like that. It's just, you know, I'll, I think for me, the, the thing that gets me the most interested about something is when it's a topic that people generally know exists and when I start looking into it and realize like, oh, there's actually a lot going on here and a lot of research and a lot of information that, you know, maybe, maybe it's the, the, the general crowd and the general lifting community is on the right track, but there's just more information that people seem to be unaware of. Or maybe it's like people seem to be on the wrong track because there is a lot of information they're unaware of. But, you know, basically w- when I see that there's a topic that the general discussion around it isn't in as much depth as I think uh, would be beneficial, then I have a tendency to get obsessed with something for a few months. Take us through your process when you approach a new a new topic. So it could be something like hypertrophy, rep ranges for hypertrophy, or muscle memory, like you mentioned. How do you start going about sifting through the research, digesting it yourself, and then formatting it in a way to where the readers of Stronger by Science, listeners to your podcast, followers on social media will begin to digest it. What is your process like as you intake all the information you can on one of these subjects? Uh, so <laughs> I, I think if I think if we do something that other people don't, like the biggest thing that helps set us apart is that when I do a literature search, it's like an actual literature search and not just, you know, punching a term into PubMed and just looking at the first four or five studies that pop up. So, you know, similar to what one would do for a systematic review where you get some keywords together, you search multiple databases, you look at, you know, everything that comes up when you punch in those terms and then filter down to all of the studies that do seem useful and relevant. So, I mean, you know, I, starts with figuring out the correct keywords to run those searches and then, you know, pulling up 11,000 results and going through every single one of them and filtering it down to, you know, the 50 or 60 studies that really like get at the specific topic that I'm interested in. Uh, And then, you know, actually reading all of those studies, searching the reference lists, like getting really, really deep in, into that subject. Um, Versus, you know, just kind of staying at the surface level for it. Um, so that'll be the first thing I do. And then when it comes to writing, generally I try to at least have some sort of narrative uh, that, that runs through what I write. So I, I think that that's something where a lot of the, again, quote unquote, evidence-based fitness community goes wrong. Um, like they treat their blog posts almost as if it's a journal article where it's just like, Hey, here is information and I'm going to spit a lot of information in your face and hope you like it. Um, 
most people just don't respond well to that because, you know, if they wanted to read something that read like a journal article, they just read journal articles, you know, and bypass your blog. So it's more like trying to find a way to frame something. And it, it could be as simple as, you know, here are the things that people believe, like lay it all out and say, here seem to be some of the assumptions underpinning this. So, you know, let's go through this see if those assumptions check out, see what the research actually says. And I mean, we're not talking like a like an old man in the sea-esque narrative, but at least some sort of general narrative structure um, so that as people are working their way through the article, they see like, okay, why should I care about this in the first place? And then kind of a logical sequence of information building up from like the basic stuff to concrete takeaways. Um, and then... It, I mean, the biggest thing that's helped with the writing being clear and coming across well to the reader is, um, so stronger by science, like people think it's just me, but it's actually a partnership. It's both me and my wife. I manage the content side of things. She manages like the business and marketing side of things, but she's also like her, her training is in copy editing and she is also quite knowledgeable about lifting, but not as knowledgeable about, like science and physiology. And so I think one of the problems a lot of people run into is they assume that everyone they're talking to is as big of a nerd as them and knows as much about science and physiology as they do. And when, when I'm writing, I mean, I kind of have, I have a combination of my wife and like my 17 year old self in mind, like people who know a fair amount about lifting are pretty passionate about it, but don't, you know, don't have degrees in this stuff. Um, so then it's, it helps me be able to pitch stuff where if someone is actually willing to read attentively, they can get all of the information they need in a way that's understandable without, you know, getting four paragraphs in and being like, mTOR, what the fuck's that, you know? Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, I, I think that helps a lot. Like having, a clear reader in mind and, and also like surveying our audience. So I know who these people are and kind of where they're at. Um, like if we surveyed our audience and saw that, you know, 80% of them work in the health and fitness industry and have a strong academic background, you know, we would probably pitch our articles a little bit differently, but I mean, our median reader is someone who is, you know, interested and passionate about powerlifting and strength sports, but, are mostly like engineers or IT workers that don't have like a physiology education or work professionally in the health and fitness industry. So, you know, that's who I'm writing to. And so people who are generally intelligent, but don't have a graduate degree in this shit. So I, I think that makes it more palatable for kind of mass market as well. I think one one way you've really taken what Stronger by Science is doing and made it even more digestible and really met people where they're at in a way where they can listen to it on their commute or at work or just while they're training is the Stronger by Science podcast, which you do with Eric Trexler. How did that come about? And what has surprised you most about dipping your toe? I say dipping your toes into the podcasting space. It seems like the podcast has really taken off at a pretty good clip. What surprised you most about that? Oh man. So <laughs> we, we wanted to, to start a podcast for a couple of reasons. One was that, um, 
we wanted to be able to get content out more frequently because I mean, my writing process is pretty in depth. And so between just how long it takes to get an article written and a lot of my writing time being devoted to mass, the the research review we do. um, I mean, I was putting out maybe an article per three months, which is not ideal. (laughs) Um, So part of it was just, it's not going to keep the people coming back to your site twice a day for sure. Right. Right. Um, so part of it was just being able to get content out more frequently, um, than, you know, quarterly. Uh, so that was part of it. Another thing was like for years now, I would meet people at conferences or meets or events or something like that. And they'd say like, Oh, Hey, big fan. I've been reading your stuff for a while. And then after we hang out for, you know, 10 minutes, they'll be like, Oh shit, you are nothing like I expected you to be because, (laughs) Like, I don't know. I'm just a pretty chill dude. Like, I, I'm i interested in science. I'm interested in string sports. But I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm fairly chill. Like, I was the class clown growing up. I like cracking jokes. Like, but, but people from my writing online assume that, like, I am a big nerd. But that's not, like, the only part of my personality, you know. And so they expect me to just be, like, a lot more somber and serious and, um, Anyway, like that's not me at all. So part of it was to be able to get content out more frequently. And part of it was to be able to get our personalities out there a little bit, just so, you know, people would have an idea of who are these folks behind the stuff that I'm reading. Um, And in terms of what has surprised me the most about the podcast. So. I wouldn't say I've necessarily been surprised about anything. I think we took, we took a couple gambles on it. Um, so, I mean, the, the typical fitness podcast is an interview show, um, where you have someone on, you ask them questions. And I mean, that's, that's basically what everyone does. It seems to be, a formula with which one can attain success, but it's also the formula that everyone uses. It's what we're doing Um, right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, um, so like I don't listen to fitness podcasts and part of that is I don't listen to many podcasts at all, but the ones I do listen to are ones where like I'm going to learn something, but I'm also going to be entertained in, in the process. And I personally generally don't find fitness interview podcasts all that entertaining. Um, and when I go on podcasts, I try to be kind of high energy and, and maybe more entertaining than I would otherwise be for that reason. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm generally not entertained by fitness podcasts. And so we wanted to make it slightly different where, you know, we have running jokes, we have like sarcastic little bits that we do. Where, you know, and we also wanted it to be long form because I feel like I feel like a lot of podcasts don't go into as much depth as they probably could. Um, And so we we just wanted to make sure we had a format where if we want to talk about something, we can spend two hours drilling down into it um, to I mean, same general thing we do with the articles. And so. yeah, the, the format we use is just a lot different. I thought it was going to do well because 
I wanted to make something that that I personally would listen to. Um, and I was hoping that I wasn't a super weird outlier. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's turned out pretty well. M- most of the feedback that we get in terms of like people sharing stuff on Instagram and tagging us in it is like, Hey, I found your podcast. I didn't think it would be this funny. Um, I accidentally almost killed myself because you cracked a joke while I was in the middle of a set of squats. So one, fuck you, but two, I'm really enjoying the podcast. So I think, I think that's been, so yeah, I'm not surprised that that gamble paid off, but I'm, it was a bit of a gamble. And so I'm, I'm glad that it has paid off. Well, like many of your listeners, I came for the science and I stayed for the personalities and the inside jokes, 100%. I think you all strike a really (laughs) nice balance there. It's definitely a podcast too, where it builds on itself and Mm -hmm. it gets better as you listen because you and Eric have this great (laughs) rapport and you have these inside jokes. It gets better as you listen to more episodes. The first one, you're like, all right, these guys are pretty funny. There is like some science here. And then the next one, you're like, oh, okay, I get that reference. Okay, okay, I get this. This is a running bit. And then by the third one, you're, you're almost expecting some of these, some of these quirks, some of these inside jokes. You're like, when are they going to get to that bit? What are they going to do that? So it really does, it does loop you in a little bit. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of braced for when we get about 40 episodes in and we can never acquire another new listener. Because they're like hopping in so far in midstream. It's just the podcast is 70% inside jokes. And they're like, what the fuck is going on here? But for the time being, things are good. By that point, it's just a soap opera. You're going to have characters and plot lines. Pretty much like that. That's man. We we have I'm not going to spill the beans, but we have a couple bits planned um, within the next couple of months that. For people who have been with us for episode one, we think they're really going to like them. But for people who that's like the first time they listen to us, they're going to be so incredibly lost. And I'm I'm excited for both of those responses. <laughs> I've, I've done some work on fitness podcast or I sorry, not fitness podcasts, podcasts, which I'm doing right now, but fiction podcasts. And I always am cast as the villain or narrator. So if you need a narrator to do, to do like the you know, on previous episodes of the stronger by science podcast or something like that. I'm just saying I'm available. I'm just going to just going to put it out there. Oh, that would be cool. Kind of like, um, kind of like one of the golden age of radio, like serial shows. Right. Or even, you know, in dragon ball Z style, where like the recap from the previous episode. And then the next time on dragon ball Z is longer than the actual episode in the middle. Cause you're just giving background yeah, yeah. and then foreshadowing. Well, I mean, like by the time you get to the end of the cell saga, like you, you have no idea how you got to that point without a 10 minute recap. Exactly. I'm, I'm just saying it's out there. If you want to workshop it, if you need a narrator, if you need someone to give feedback, I'm available, Greg. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit you up. <laughs> uh, Greg, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. This is not a super long form podcast, not quite as long form as the stronger by science podcast. So I do want to take a sec to ask where can folks follow along with what you do, what you produce for stronger by science, and then also where they can follow you personally on social media and just keep up to date with both the competition side of Greg Knuckles, but also the writer nerd slash hilarious podcast host side. Uh, so free content, strongerbyscience.com. If you want to check out the research review that I put out every month, along with Eric Trexler, Eric Helms, and Mike Sordos, you can find that, uh, it's called mass for monthly applications and strength sport. 
You can find that at strongerbyscience.com slash mass. Uh, you can find the Stronger by Science podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. And uh, seeing as an election is coming up not too long from now, I'm not as active on Facebook as I once was because, God, it turns into a goddamn cesspool. Um, but I'm fairly active on Instagram. That's where I post lifting videos and pictures of food and my dog. And that's just at Greg Knuckles. Awesome. Well, Greg, thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to uh, hearing what comes next from the podcast, your writing and competitions. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.